We're taking some time to talk about relationships, and we're in a series of messages that's really dedicated and given over to that subject, uh, because we cannot improve our relationships if we don't take time to work on them, take time to study them, take time to talk on them. We'll take them for granted, and eventually entropy will set in. And kind of the big idea is this, something going wrong in a relationship does not necessarily mean something's wrong with the relationship. That's a big idea that's kind of at the heart of why we would take time to work on our relationships. Because something going wrong in a relationship does not automatically mean that something's wrong with the relationship. It just means that we need to work on it. It just means that that should be evidence to you when when one of the relationships in your life has a problem, that should be evidence to you that there's some assembly that's required here. And you might not have realized that work needed to be done. So something goes wrong with it. Don't automatically throw the relationship out or give up on it. That's what so many people do. But that's like taking back an unassembled piece of furniture that's still in the box, taking it back to the store and complaining that it didn't do what they advertised it would do for you. It didn't work. So I'm going to trade it out for a new one. Listen, the new one's going to have the same problems as the old one if you're not willing to work on it. If you just give it up at the first sign of difficulty, well, something must be wrong with this relationship. No, something is wrong with you. You need to get to work on the relationship, or you can move on to a new one, but you're going to bring your same old dysfunction into that new relationship and your same lack of, well, I'm, I'm already two seconds in. I'm already convicting everybody. No one's amening me. Everyone's like, dang it, I'm convicted. I'm hurting. I'm bleeding. It's fine. <laughs> But it's worth it. You know, it's not just the messages that get all the likes on Instagram. It's the ones that sting a little bit, but actually help us to improve. Don't you want to improve as a person in relationship? I don't think you want to drag the same thing that caused your relationship with your college roommate to be so um, full of combat and difficulty and rancor, and then move that on to the next coworker, move on to the next, and go from relationship to relationship, and always assume the, the fault lies with someone else. Maybe, just maybe, it's, it's right in here. And let's get to work on our relationships. They're not turnkey or maintenance-free. Great relationships take work. We began last week, if you're just jumping in now, perfect time to jump in, by the way, but make sure you, you catch up on the podcast. Last week's message was really um, uh, foundational for everything we're going to talk about. The title of last week's installment was Start With God. Because when you have a problem in your relationship with your sister, ah, every time she texts me, it's uh, you know? Anybody who, every time you see their name on your, on your phone, it makes you go, oh, oh i got to brace myself. I need a stiff drink before I read that text, you know? <laughs> if, if that's true in your life, let me just tell you something. Then, then, then you need to start with God, not with that relationship. relationship but that, that problem's got you. You don't even know, know my husband. You don't even know my boss. I don't need to know your boss. What I need to know is that you're seeking God first and his kingdom and his righteousness so all these things can be added unto you. Start with God. That is the first and most important tool. If we don't, if we don't start there, then we could have a great month of messages and talk all about some, here's some principles and here's some tips and here's some life hacks, but we might as well be rearranging the deck chairs in the Titanic. Well, I think they'd be better and more feng shui if they were this way. Well, there's a big old iceberg headed for you, baby girl. I, and, and by the way, could we scoot over and make room for Leonardo? I mean, oh, Jack, I wish I could save you. Well, scoot over. There's room for him. If you would just quit hogging all the dang... Anyhow... So what we want to do is start with God. Clear? And uh, so, so make sure you jump in there. But, but, but for the next four messages, this weekend and three more, and I hope you make the commitment to being here because what we're going to be doing is each week receiving a new relationship tool, 
a new tool, not that is custom-specific towards one context, like this only works in intimacy and romance, and this one only works when it comes to your career, to uh, coworkers. No, what I want to do is each week hand you a tool that you can stick into your emotional toolbox that will make you more sophisticated at working at every relationship, principles that will apply to any situation that you find yourself in where there is any kind of a relationship context. And the more tools you get, the better you'll be. The more tools we have, the more sophisticated we'll be at handling the problem and having the right tool for the right job. Because it's been said and well said, if all you have is a hammer, everything in life will tend to look like a nail. You'll just grab it each time, and maybe just maybe that's a part of the problem. You only have a few tools. So let's become more diverse when it comes to the tools we have emotionally at our disposal. And this week, we want to start with the tool of alignment, personal alignment. Specifically, we're going to try and work on, we're going to learn how to adjust our own alignment, the alignment between our intentions and the impact we have on the world, the alignment between our intentions and the impact we have on the world, aligning our behavior to the specific outcome that we want in any given situation. Let's make sure that the alignment's not off, that when we take our hands off the wheel, it's, it's, it's tried and true. It's going the right. And it's not pulling to the right or pulling to the left on its own. If you have a Bible, uh, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 30. If you don't have a Bible, no problem at all. We're going to put the verses up on the screen for you. The title of my message is Nosebleeds and Bee Stings. So, so there you go. That's what you're going to get in a second. Not, not like specifically nosebleeds or bee stings, but the title of the message, therefore what's in the, whatever. Verse 32, it says, if you have been foolish, I'm already convicted. Anybody? <laughs> Dang it. You got to go there for real? Man, manual for wise living, right? If you have been foolish, does anybody, does anybody feel like they qualify? You feel like you fit the bill? You have been foolish? No? Only half the room. That concerns me. Anybody in denial? How's the other half of the room? All right, very good. If you have been foolish in exalting yourself, or if you have devised evil, put your hand on your mouth. That right there is some good relationship advice. How much better would your life go if you got better at putting your hand on your mouth? For as the churning of milk produces butter... And wringing the nose produces blood, so the forcing of wrath produces strife. As we talk about the alignment of our intentions and the impact we have on our behavior and the outcome we want, that those two are both the same. There's a synchronization between what we're doing and what we want to accomplish, between our intentions and the actual impact we have. Would you pray with me? Father, we are just grateful so grateful to be in your presence, so thankful that we have the not only honor but luxury of, of opening up your, your word. We have such a great wealth of it. We can pull it out on our phones. We can read it on paperback. We can jump on the internet. And we're just really humbled that we have the chance right now, this moment, to quiet our hearts and to assess how we're doing and what's going on and let you speak into our, our lives, our relationships. We pray for health. We pray for growth. Even if not instant progress, we pray for progress of some kind, some change. And we just pray that whatever you speak to us in this moment, we would come Monday, come Thursday, come 
come next Saturday, be living differently because of what you're going to speak to us, that it wouldn't go in one ear, out the other. And we ask that if even a single person listening to this message, however it's hitting them, whatever media has brought your word to them, if they don't know you, if they're far from you, without God, without hope in this world, I pray you draw them to yourself. I want to specifically pray for a, a young girl listening who's doubting her value, doubting if she's is worth love, maybe cutting herself, whatever it is, God, the person who's, who's feeling even a sense of despair about life itself, contemplating suicide. Would you just draw them to yourself in Jesus' name? Amen. It was uh, Dale Carnegie who so eloquently put it, speaking on relationships and specifically on alignment. He said, um, if you want to gather honey, don't kick over the beehive. And that's just such a powerful word picture. I like how I pointed to it, it went away. I was planning on hanging out there for a second, but no, it's fine. Just go ahead and just yank it out from under me. Uh, I like how he said, if you want to gather honey, don't kick over the beehive. You know, you're approaching to get some honey out. Your desire is to get something sweet. Your tactics should match your desire. There should be an alignment in the behavior of a person who, at the outcome they want is getting honey. Well, they should go in, not kicking it over. Hey, bees, give me your honey, right? What are you going to get? You're going to get bee stings. And what did the author of Proverbs chapter 30 say is going to happen if you go in swinging towards people's faces? You're not going to get butter. That's what you get if you go churning milk. But if you go churning someone's nose up, you go tuning someone's face up, don't act surprised when they, and then subsequently you, have blood dripping from your nose. So similarly, the forcing of wrath in a relationship is every single time going to lead to strife. And you're like, duh, of course, uh, obvious, right? And yet, why do we, in relationships, walk away surprised when, when people's noses are bleeding ours and theirs, and, and act surprised and mystified as to what happened. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't, how did this happen, right? Oh, I don't know. You sort of were violent and aggressive and mean. And you forced your wrath, but now you don't like the outcome because there wasn't an alignment between your behavior and what you actually wanted to happen. And, and usually, we walk away thinking, well, it wasn't my intention. Wasn't what I wanted, right? We, 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 we throw up what our intentions were as the excuse for what we actually did. There wasn't an alignment. But here's, here's, a, here's a beautiful, life-changing truth. Your intentions don't matter. Your behavior does. I got a guy on staff who I was traveling with. We were in Nashville. I got asked to speak at a college. I know. I was as confused as anybody, right? That seems like a terrible solution. And they brought me in, and like, this is Dean so-and-so. Everyone's in suits. I'm wearing like a ripped-up jean jacket. I felt totally out of place. And, and, uh, and, and this is Dean so-and-so, and this is this, is, this is this professor. And I was like, just please don't. I feel like I was getting in trouble the entire time. I got out of there as quickly as I could. And, 
And, uh, and, 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 and while we were there, I was putting this message together. I'm, I'm studying Proverbs 30. I'm reading about different versions. What does it mean? The churning of the nose produces blood. And, and as that happens, honest to God, the guy traveling with me from our staff, he starts laughing, looking at his phone. His wife had just texted him this picture of his son <laughs> who had just got the tar beat out of him by his sister. <laughs> And the caption that went along with the photo said, don't mess with Anna, okay? Now, now his name is Quinn. Now, let me just tell you something. It doesn't matter to Quinn what Anna's intentions were. Now, by the way, I asked Quinn's mom, and she said Anna's intentions were exactly that. So she was aligned in what she, baby girl had a synchronization between her behavior and the outcome she wanted. She was, she was having some Gatorade at this moment. But, but let me just tell you something. It doesn't matter to Quinn if that was what Anna intended, because that was what happened. It doesn't matter what you wanted to say. No one can hear what you wanted to say. We only get to hear what you said. It doesn't matter what you meant with that passive-aggressive comment, with that cutting statement uh, about so-and-so. All that matters is what you said. Intentions don't matter. It's the impact you're having on the world. So to walk around throwing it up, well, that wasn't my intention. It wasn't my intention to hurt your feelings. Or, or I'm sorry you got hurt. Top 10 worst apologies. <laughs> Maybe top one worst. I'm sorry you got hurt. It wasn't my intention. What I meant was, it doesn't matter. What matters is what you did. All right, so what I want to do today is, is give you a very clear, very easy to understand grid to align your intention and your impact. Four simple steps. Ready? Analyze, extrapolate, prioritize, navigate. Analyze so you can extrapolate, prioritize, and then navigate. Okay, so that's the four. That's where we're going. And we're going to circle back now and go through one at a time what these steps look like. But this is going to help you uh, not walk away with, with bee stings and nosebleeds, mystified as to what happened, because you had such noble, high, pure, golden, gracious intentions. Does that sound good? All right, here we go. Analyze. What does this mean? It means every time you feel ready to force your wrath on somebody, every time you feel ready to do something that's going to have every single time as the end result, the forcing of strife, stop and analyze what you want to do and why you feel like doing it. And, and if you take notes in church, which is so helpful to do, because then you can remember it and discuss it later in one of our Fresh Life groups and, or get together with a couple of coworkers and talk about what you watched on the church online broadcast, um, here's, here's what I want you to write down next to analyze. Write this down. What I want to do is blank. What I want to do is blank. And when you fill this out in the moment, even in your head, just even... So I've heard people say that they'll, uh, they'll bring drinks into a meeting where they know that they're going to tend to be riled up. And uh, anytime they feel like forcing wrath and producing strife, they'll take a drink. Because people don't look at you funny while you're drinking, and they give you all the time in the world to sort stuff out. So you can use that every time you need a little bit of cover fire. So, okay, 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 okay. Analyzing. What I want to say is be as brutally honest as you need to be. I want, it could be while you're driving, I want to pass them on the right meanly. I want to give them the universal one-fingered one symbol for have a great day, right? <laughs> what, whatever it is you want to do. When you're ready to punch someone in the face that's going to produce blood, you need to assess the situation. Don't run from your emotions. 
Don't bottle, up, don't bottle up your emotions, heaven forbid. Instead, study them, analyze them, isolate them, pull it up and say, well, man, right now, I'm really triggered. I feel like saying something mean. I feel like saying something belittling. I feel like bringing up ancient history that's been long sorted out and forgiven, dredging up the past. I feel like getting hysterical. I feel like ad hominem, attacking them. I feel like, I feel in this moment, I could go nuclear and pull the divorce word out. I, I feel right now so mad, I could actually hit them. I fe- Here's what I want to do right there, okay? And then, and then feel free to add on any specifics that would help you build a case file on why you feel this way. Because you're not normally that, you don't walk around all the time spoiling for a fight. You're generally speaking probably a pretty calm person, and you are a pretty other-centered person. So to be at a place where you're so filled with rage, drop down anything specifically that would tell you what's making you feel this way. I feel like I've been disrespected. I feel like I haven't been valued, whatever. I feel like I haven't been heard. I've been overlooked. So anything that would help you understand that this has happened. And then what's cool about this as you do it for uh, a while, as you begin to track these sorts of things, you'll notice some common threads. You'll notice some common themes. Man, it seems like every time this happens, this is how I feel, and this is what it makes me want to do. This is, we're not making any conclusions here, and we're not sugarcoating stuff. We're just being honest so we can understand our emotions. So many of us, we act on emotions before we even have time to process them. So if you pause here, you'll begin to, to pull them to the surface. This is what I feel like doing right now. Why do we analyze? So we can, second point, what is it? Extrapolate. We analyze, and now we bring the data from that on in, and we extrapolate it, all right? To extrapolate, it means to play something out, to to, to sort of unravel it a little bit, and to take it to its logical end. If I do this, here's what you're going to write down next to extrapolate. If I do that, blank will happen. If I do that, and I might still, because we haven't made a decision yet, have we? We just are trying to isolate our feelings of what we want to do. And in this phase, we're saying, if I do that, which I still can, don't worry, buddy, don't worry, angry man inside, you still might get your day in court. We just first need to play out what you want to do. You see what, what this is? This, is? this is installing a Jarvis inside your head. This is at least going to show you the trajectory. Like, hey, you can fly up that high, but just so you know, you don't have enough fuel in your arc reactor to land safely. So fly all you want, little guy, but it's going to be a violent return to Earth. So we're just in the extrapolation phase. We're sort of going, all right, what are the ramifications of said behavior? If I walk in and say that, if the perfect insult, which, oh, this one's going to sting. It's going to be the shot around the world. If I say that, what's going to happen next? What are they likely to do? What am I then going to need to do? How is this going to escalate the situation? What is this going to do to the tension? What are the long-term impacts on my family, on my kids, on my reputation, on my career? Just, just get it all out there. You still can choose to take that course of action. Just make sure once you've taken it, you do so knowing all of the things that are going to happen next. What dominoes are going to be tipped over by doing this? Is not this the wisdom of Proverbs chapter 4? When it tells us very clearly, ponder the path of your feet and let all of your ways be established. Ponder. So this is, is he's saying extrapolate, okay? Build that on. If I go here, 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 here. Oh, wait a minute. 
If I do this, here's the question, will it take me to a place that I like when I get there? And if you've done good work in the analysis section, your case file tells you again and again and again, when I do that, here's what happens, and here's what happens next. I walk away with a bloody nose. They walk away with a bloody nose. Just just be honest. Is that what you want to happen? Because does not Proverbs chapter 27 put it this way? A prudent person, look at this, a prudent person sees trouble coming and ducks, but the simpleton walks blindly in and gets clobbered. How many times do you want to get clobbered in relationships? Begin to do some forecasts. Begin to do some projections. Begin to do some estimates and ask yourself, is this what I want to dirt a dirt it whack? Dirt a dirt whack. Dirt a dirt whack. Einstein said, right? It's a casual Einstein quote, middle of the sermon feels good. I'll go for it. Einstein said, to do the same thing over and over again, expecting different results is insanity. So you're going to walk in and get clobbered just like you got clobbered last time. And just like when you were in high school and you did this, you got clobbered. And just like you will ad nauseum. All right. So here we've done our first half. And that's the first chunk. We analyze so that we then can extrapolate. Now, we're still not acting yet. Here's the third. And this is where it really turns the corner. We now prioritize. Prioritize. We're tuning ourselves. We're aligning ourselves personally. We're not doing this for someone else, because if you really want to change someone, that's going to make a difference, change you. So we're not aligning someone else. We're aligning ourselves for the situation between intention and impact, between behavior and outcome. So we prioritize. Here's the question that we ask. I want you to write this down in your notes next to the word prioritize. Write this down. Here's what I actually want to happen, because chances are, Whatever you wrote down in the extrapolate phase, you you don't like it. So here's where you get to fill in. Here's my ideal outcome to this situation. They did something that riled me up. I'm triggered. It made me want to take this course of action. But if I do that, I'm going to end up at a place where I don't like how it feels. I know that because I've walked blindly in and gotten clobbered so many times. And I don't really love the coppery taste of my blood running into my mouth, right? And it's just the OxyClean on my shirt. The struggle is real, people. Like, I am the nosebleed king, okay? So, so, and I love this. Now we have a blank slate. And we can say, okay, if I could dream anything, well, how am I going to get there? Don't worry about that. But if I could dream any outcome to the situation, if I could come up with any storyboard for how the, what's in the last pane of the comic, if I get to draw that, don't worry about the middle one. You're in the first one, want to punch someone. But, but don't worry about the middle part. Just say, how do I want this to end before the credits roll? What would be my, my best case scenario here? Okay, so that's where I fill this in. And chances are, what you're going to write in here is not, I want to have a fight. You know what would be great? Instead of a nice dinner, uh, we'd be screaming at each other. That would be nice. You know, wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't it be great? You know, I, why would we make love and go to sleep uh, when we could just fight and then go to sleep with our backs facing each other? That would be great. You know what would be awesome is not a lot of sleep because we're pacing and arguing but quietly because the kids are sleeping, or not quietly because it doesn't, really doesn't even matter anymore, and, uh, and, and them sleeping on the couch, and me in the guest bedroom. Wouldn't that be, you know what would be great end of the evening? Frosty. Frosty the snowman. That would be how I would describe the demeanor I want from them and from me for the rest of the night. No, no, none of us, if, we, if we're in a moment, if we took the time to stop and ask the question honestly, 
what do I want to be the outcome here? None of us would pick fight. And guess what? When you get ticked off in a customer service situation and you unleash on the unsuspecting person who's just doing their job, an impossible job sometimes, and you unload on them, that's not what you actually wanted. Because if, even if you do, and you, oh, you're the worst, and you're airline, and you're company, and you're a restaurant, and I didn't get the table I want. I can't believe I don't get respect, blah, blah. So you unload them. Okay, you've had your little tam- temper tantrum, and you walk away. Do you feel better? Man, I sure got heard there. Because every single other person in line is looking at you like, well done, five-year-old, right? <laughs> and the, the poor person, it's not even their dang fault. I mean, even if, like, what is their name, Irma? Did they cause the hurricane? Like, yeah, sorry, I'm just trying to get everybody home. This is my great joy in life, by the way. You know what I mean? Like, so, so you unload it on, that's not, you, you don't actually want to be in a fight. So here's where you're actually going to ask the question, what do I want? Well, I, what I actually wanted was just to be heard. You know what? What I actually wanted was just a seat. <laughs> What I actually wanted was just a table. My ideal outcome is me getting to eat dinner here in your fine establishment. That was what I actually wanted. And, and so, so when we are honest about this, it's going to help us now because the, the most crucial phase of all of this is the last one. We prioritize so we then can navigate. And once we've established, no, what I, didn't, I didn't want the fight. I, I, just, I wanted actually to, to end with peace. Then we can work the middle squares in our comic strip. And we can say, how do I navigate to the outcome I decided that I wanted? And so what you write next to navigate is this. The things I need to do to get there are blank. To get to the end I wanted, I need to do these certain things, never mind how I feel, because pro tip, whatever you write down in the navigate phase is likely to feel like the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. And what you initially wanted to do, stop, freeze, analyze, extrapolate, whoa, new plan, prioritize so I can navigate. It's going to feel like you've abandoned a course of action that was going to feel wonderful for 10 seconds, 20 seconds, 15 minutes, and then horrible for the rest of the night. So it's going to be like an Aesop's fable. Uh, you know, Aesop, horse and the hair guy, that guy's the best. He hit a story I read, it stuck with me, about the, the wind and the sun. Wind and the sun were having an argument, and they were arguing about who's stronger. And the sun's like, no, I'm stronger. And the wind's like, no, I'm stronger. And so they were at a stalemate until they saw a traveler walking by. And the sun said, I know. Here's what we do. Whoever can uh, get this guy to take his jacket off, he's got a long coat on. Whoever gets him to take his coat off uh, is the stronger. Can we agree? Wind said, that's a great plan. I'll go first. So sun hid behind a cloud. Wind blows on the man, and, and his jacket starts ruffling. The wind's thinking, this is going well. The jacket, I'm going to blow the jacket off the man. He's blowing right at him. But the more he blew, the more the man gripped his jacket. And he began to tighten, tightly do the buttons, and he ratcheted the scarf down, hands in the pockets. He leaned in to the wind, and the wind tired himself out blowing on this man and finally gave up because this man was not letting go of his jacket. And he says, it's impossible. And so the wind stepped to the side, and the sun began to come out behind the, from behind the cloud. And with full strength, the, man just shined graciously. The, the sun just shined graciously upon the man. And the man began to, to wipe his brow, and then he began one by one to open up the buttons and remove his scarf, and eventually, as the sun shined brighter and brighter upon the man, he eventually took off his jacket on his own free will and hung it over his arm as he began to walk away. And the wind marveled, marveled at the man, uh, at the sun, and what he had done to the man. He said, how did you do that? He said, it was easy. I just brightened the day, and so I got my way. And the moral of the story is gentleness 
and friendliness are stronger than fury and force. And so though you want to impose your will to get what you want, what you're doing does not have a correlation to what you want to come out of the situation. What you're actually doing is moving you away from what you should be trying to navigate to. This has changed Jenny and I's marriage, by the way, as we've articulated these concepts out. Because here's what happens to me. In my analysis of my own bad behavior, I often am triggered situationally. Generally speaking, when things don't go how I've planned them out in my head, mapped them out, reminded people about, sent text messages about, a thorough email about how it's all... I'm just talking about getting in the car. <laughs> so when, when it doesn't go like I wanted it to go, when we're not ready for traveling, when uh, one of my big pet peeves you know, when we're getting on air, we get on airplanes a lot is when, when ju- we know exactly how the, the boarding process goes, and we have all the time in the world, but once the whole thing begins, I like to be ready, but, but, but when my family would, the moment they would choose to go to the bathroom is exactly the moment when our group's going to be called, then I've got all the bags in the stroller, and I'm just frustrated, and, and then I'm in a bad mood the whole travel day. So situational triggers. Jenny is different. Uh, Jenny uh, will be triggered uh, not by my triggers, which is uh, when, well, because I have the stubborn insistence that the plan goes above people. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> Jenny's crazy. She puts the people above the plan, and how everyone's doing, and that they have their shoes on. I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's the time. I don't care. No shoes. Oh, you have plenty of shoes. I bought you lots of shoes. Get in the car, you know? Like, like, like for her, it's how everyone's doing and that everyone's feeling valued and loved and recognized and heard and, you know, just a waste of time stuff. And, and so, so here's what happens to Jenny. Jenny, if she feels like a need she has isn't being met, then her response is not mine. Mine is a barrage of questions. Do you not remember? Do you not get my text message? Do you not hear? Like, so I have all the questions in the world. We need to speak about this and figure this out and understand it, and more importantly, figure out how the crap to avoid it in the, in the future, okay? Jenny is the exact opposite. If something goes wrong for her, her response is to shut down all systems, to shut down all outgoing communication, all ingoing communication, and there's this veneer. And the worst part of it is, I'll be like, how's it going? <laughs> Fine says Jenny through her snake teeth. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not, you're not fine. I'm telling you right now, you are not fine. I can tell the hissing, uh, the daggers, um, the, the way you're writing 666 on my forehead with your mental powers. Right? I'm fine. Oh, don't worry about it. Just make sure we're all in the car. And it's like, I'm like, I can tell stuff's not fine. And, and both of us, here's, here's the crazy thing. Both of us are trying to accomplish what we want by doing something that is impossible to get us there. And what, what she'll say to me is, she'll say to me, if you want me to speak about it, give me a chance. Give me time to cool down. So right away isn't the time for all the questions. Saying nothing is really key for a good little bit. And, and, for, and for her, she would admit, she would say uh, what we've realized is what she wants is attention and time and affection and, and touch. And, and, and so what she's trying to do to get those things is not going to accomplish it because the thing she's doing is driving me away because no one wants to hug a porcupine because <laughs> you're worried about getting stabbed in the eye and stuff, right? And so if you're trying to get them to hug you, then less barbs and less quills and less sharp things. If, if, if what you're trying to do isn't the, the direction that's going to where you want to go, everyone's going to leave frustrated. If you follow this advice, 
uh, you will do things like this. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle, look at this, a gentle response is what diffuses anger. Now, listen, pause. Problem with that, a gentle response is not satisfying. You don't get to type it and send it with sizzle. <laughs> a gentle response. So our goal isn't to, to, to get all the bullets out of our gun. If our goal is to diffuse anger, then the key is to use the right tool for the job. And the gentle response that will feel bad for a second, but then ultimately take you where you want to go, will accomplish that. When we first began taking trips to Portland, as we were considering taking this church on and all of this, uh, I remember distinctly having a revelation about uh, airports. Speaking of airports, um, times it takes to get from the city core to, to the airport, and I made a stupid decision on a Thursday afternoon to try and leave for the airport about 4.30, which involved rush hour traffic, and all the arteries leading out of the city on the freeways were red on Google Maps, and I, I realized I'm going to miss my flight because I only allotted myself 15 minutes, but it's going to take 45, 50, and creeping up every second. And so I panicked, but then I remembered I got another app on my phone called Waze, and Waze has a way of rerouting you even if you don't ask for it, if they detect anything that's a problem ahead. This isn't a paid promotion, but it's an amazing app. So I fired up Waze, and Waze, here's what it did. It said, get off the freeway now. Next exit got me off the freeway. And it took me through the weirdest connection of neighborhoods I've ever seen in my life. I'm telling you, I I hit four-way stop after four-way stop. People are watering their grass. It did not seem like the way to get to the airport at all. But all these neighborhoods I went through, one by one, without a single piece of traffic along the way, next thing I knew, I pop out of this neighborhood, and I'm literally at the airport, and I made it there in 15 minutes. Now, here's what's cool about that. It doesn't matter how the road feels. All that matters is that you get where you want to go. And so in our relationships, I wonder if, if maybe sometimes you're doing what you would never do driving. You would never be like, I want to turn down that road. I need to be somewhere, and that road feels like it would be great to drive on. No, you don't think that way. You think, what's going to get me to where I want to go? I don't care how it feels. If it could have potholes, it could have, if I need to be somewhere, I want to take the road that's not what looks desirable, but the road that gets there. So in relationships, don't, I want to drive down this. I want to do this. Why? Because it would feel good to do it. It would feel so satisfying to say, yeah, but then it would bring problems into the relationship. So the question is, what will feel good? What will drive well? It's what's going to navigate you to the place that you've decided is the priority for the relationship. What's the outcome? you actually want, and how do you move towards it? And breathing is key during all of this, because they say that we're breathing shallower than ever. Part of it is we're all hunched over on our phones all the time. I mean, literally watch people. They just sit there with their head forward. It's terrible looking, and and you see it in yourself. It makes you just want to sit up straight. But we breathe shallow. We have bad posture. Now, your, your oxygen consumption is critical to thinking. It's critical to managing your emotions. Because 20% of all air you breathe goes straight to the brain, because that's your body's priority, keep you alive. And of the air you get, it's always going to dedicate and divert the bulk of oxygen that's coming in to critical life-saving function. And that means that analytics and and, and emotional processing and all of this is always going to take the back seat to keeping you alive. So if you're breathing shallow, it's been statistically proven that it leads to shallow breathing leads to a loss of memory a loss of focus, and a loss, a loss of power to overcome your moods. It also brings a heightened sense of anxiety and depression, wow. just not breathing. And it's funny, I've been practicing this for a few years now, actually, before I get up to speak somewhere, especially if the 
program organizer lets me know, hey, you had 47, but the guy went long, now you got 32. And I'm like, which half of my message do I give? And make sure at the end you do this, and whatever you do, don't say that. And I'm like, ah. And, and then I'll get a text, something from you know, someone on our staff, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. want to kill myself. Uh, and, and, and oh, that's great. Oh, they quit. That's great. Oh, that's, oh we're getting sued. Oh, that's lovely. And, and so, 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 oh, they said that too. Oh, that's nice. I'm the Antichrist. Awesome. So, so let me get up to speak. And now all of a sudden, everything's going wrong. That's all without Facebook. So, so, so what do I do? I choose to breathe deeply. You can find out you've breathed deep enough if you move your stomach. And if you actually do that, just the physical act of flooding your brain with oxygen, it brings you right away into a calmer state. And while you're doing it's a perfect time to do some of this analysis, extrapolation, prioritization, and navigation so that you actually can move where you want to be. And and guess what? When you're doing all of this, lo and behold, you're being more like Jesus. Matter of fact, Hebrews puts it this way. It says, we're to look at Jesus, keep our eyes on Jesus. Look at this. Who both began and finished this race we're in. Okay, so what you're doing, been there, done that. He began and finished the race we're in. So what you're up to, Christ went through already before you. And here's how he did it. Study, look at this, study how he did it. He never lost sight. Someone say sight. He never lost sight of where he was headed. Not what it felt like, but where he was headed. Now, now the verse continues, therefore... That exhilarating finish in and with God is what he was looking at. So therefore, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. Now, but doesn't that just, by the way, put stuff in perspective that whatever you're going through, he successfully navigated his way through something much worse? He could put up with anything. Cross, shame, whatever. How? Listen to me. He kept sight of where he wanted to go and was aligned in his intention and the outcome that, or the impact with his behavior and with the outcome. Now, this is, this is, this is heavy theological stuff, but, but here's the gist of what we just read. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. If you have a picture in your mind, he's just jumping, chomping at the bit to get to that cross. You're crazy. That's a misunderstanding of what the cross was like and all that was spiritually, theologically, emotionally involved. There's a story that proves this it's when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he actually asks, the God, asks God the Father if there's any other way. Just want to make sure in the last 33 years that I've been down here, you didn't come up with anything else that we didn't think about before the world was formed. If there's any other way, I don't want to go through with this. I don't want to go through with this. I don't want to be separated from you. And he, as, he, as he thought about it, he, you know, he began to sweat drops of blood, stress, guaranteed need for deep breathing and to start with God, to go to to the Lord in prayer. But what they decided was there is no other way. No other way for what? You to be saved. Me to be saved. For us not to go to hell. And so once he realized that, what was that, by the way? That's extrapolation. He extrapolated him not dying on the cross and realized that's not a place he wanted to go. So once he decided the joy set before him kicked in, because he decided he looked forward to being in God's presence with you and me in heaven, all of us being saved and redeemed and us coming into our own. And he realized that was worth fighting for. 
and that was worth running towards. And so he began to pursue the priority with a singular focus, no matter what it took to get there along the way. He navigated his way there, not based on what road would feel good, but where he wanted to go. So cross, shame, whatever. So what we're doing when we decide where we want to go and then we navigate our way there is we're being like Christ. And on the other end of that is more freedom, not less. More freedom, not less. Because listen to me very carefully. You are a prisoner to your feelings if you always do what you feel. And doing what you feel without thinking about it will keep you from your calling. I'm saying acting without thinking will keep you from your calling. So what you got to do is create a wider gap between when you feel like doing something, saying something, going somewhere, and when you act on it, if you can stretch that gap, then you'll be able to close the gap between your intention and your impact, between your behavior and the outcome you want. You receive this word from God. Are you ready to be set free from being a prisoner to your own feelings? Father, we ask that as we live this stuff out, all we've done is receive the script. We haven't acted on it, but as we choose to act on this, not just once, but again and again and again, and we're going to fall and we're going to fail, and it's not going to be perfect, but as we commit ourselves to the progress that you intend for us, we just can already feel change. We can already see ourselves going through situations where we walked in blindly and got clobbered so many times, but now we're going to walk in and we're going to duck. And it's going to feel so good the first time. We might get a little overconfident because of that. And we'll walk in and get clobbered the next time. But we're going to keep on thinking things through. We're going to think on playing things out. We're going to use the wisdom you gave us. And we're going to watch our relationships improve. We're going to see less nosebleeds and bee stings. We're going to quit kicking over that beehive so we can get ourselves that honey that we actually want. We're going to have gentleness and graciousness like smoke that lulls the bees to sleep. We're going to have that mask on, that net, that mesh that's going to protect us. We're going to have the thick gloves of love. We're going to find ourselves enjoying relationships that are no longer full of strife because we're going to stop imposing our wrath. Would you help us, Jesus, to do all of this in your name? What an incredible message. Thank you so much for joining us in this teaching from Fresh Life Church. If while you're watching, you made a decision to follow Christ, first of all, congratulations. That is the best decision you will ever make. Um, We would love to send you a 21-day devotional through the book of John, written by Pastor Levi. And all you have to do to get that is text the word Fresh Life to the number 99,000. And you can register your decision online at freshlife.church by clicking the No God button. We would love to connect with you. If you've been impacted through what God is doing here at Fresh Life Church, we would love to hear from you. Go to our website and click the Share Your Story tab at freshlife.church, or you can email us at story at freshlife.church, and we would love to hear how God is moving and impacting your life through this work here at Fresh Life. These stories are not only an encouragement to our staff, but to our entire church family. And finally, if you'd like to partner with us financially and support the work that God is doing here in this house, you can give by texting the word FRESH to 45777 or you can click the give button at our website freshlife.church or you can give on our Fresh Life app. Thanks so much for watching.